Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So in this verse is found the cure for care and the key to provision, seeking God's kingdom, seek God's kingdom. The Greek word translated seek in this verse is the word zeteo, zeteo, and it means to search for in order to find, very much like the English uh, word. But it also carries the meaning of to aim at or strive after, to aim at or strive after, because all of us here have set our sights on something. We have objectives that we are hoping to achieve. We have goals that we desire to realize. And whatever you envision in your heart, that is what you are chasing after because that's the way you were created. Amen? And I believe in Matthew 6:33. I believe there's more to this verse than meets the eye. Jesus is suggesting an entirely different way of ordering our affairs, an altogether different approach to our existence, namely this, kingdom living. Kingdom living. Now, he said in this passage of Scripture, if you, if you go earlier uh, t- toward the beginning of the chapter, he said we should not be anxious, we should not be worried about having our needs met. Because if God takes care of the birds and if he adorns the flowers, he will abundantly provide for you. And he says in verse 32, the verse previous to our text, for the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So the word Gentile in this verse does not simply mean not Jewish. Really, the meaning there is without God. Those who are lost, those who do not know the Lord. So people in this world don't simply desire food and clothing and shelter. They work for it. They get up in the morning and you know, battle heavy traffic and, 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 and all the obstacles to, to continue their work. They labor to earn money to buy these necessities, the things of life. And God does not deny that we need them. He is aware that no matter how spiritual you are, you still need nourishment to sustain your physical body. You need covering for your, for your flesh. You need shelter, transportation, etc., All these things the Gentiles seek for, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God. In other words, but you who are not sinners, you who do know the Lord, should put the needs of the kingdom ahead of your own needs. They work for themselves, but we as believers work for God. See, most people today, even in the church world, they work for themselves. They get a job, they start a business to make money with their salary. Naturally, they purchase the things that they require. And hopefully they have some left over, some money to spare for charity, good works, and to contribute to the gospel. 
Sounds okay. But kingdom-minded people have a different perspective. Uh, This is a revelation for you. Kingdom-minded people have a different perspective. In every endeavor of life, they see themselves as ministers of Christ. I didn't say that they're pastors. I didn't say they're evangelists. I didn't say they're preachers. But they are serving the Lord in their life. Are you out there today? So if I have a job, let's, let's just use a hypothetical. If I have a job in a shoe store, so I could just consider myself a salesman, trying to get as many customers as possible, and maybe I'm even tempted at times to stretch the truth if it means making another sale. Maybe I don't mind shortchanging a patron if it increases the bottom line, my profits. But a kingdom seeker says, I'm serving the Lord in this job. He gave it to me, and I will honor him in it. Maybe I'm selling shoes, but I'm providing footwear to people in the community. That's a worthy thing. Maybe maybe it is my prayer that some of my customers will actually take the gospel to the lost. And the Bible says in Romans 10, 15, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Maybe as, I, as, I, as I'm selling shoes, I'm thinking, you know, brother, your feet are beautiful. Here's, here's footwear to protect those beautiful feet. The Bible says put on the whole armor of God. We should have our feet shod with the gospel, uh, of the, the shoes of the gospel of readiness. So, so I, you know, spiritually that's what you have, but these shoes will also help you to be ready to serve God as well. And because I practice kingdom living, I operate on kingdom principles. I won't lie because that's displeasing to the Lord. And I know unless the Lord blesses my business, how will it succeed? How can I sin and then turn in a prayer request? Y'all pray that God will bless my business. I'm undoing their prayers. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And I'd rather close down my shop than disgrace the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because I'm a a kingdom man living on kingdom principles. Praise the Lord. Kingdom people don't serve themselves. They live to please God. And they also know that loving others is one of the main ways that we do serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Think of this scripture, for example. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. By the way, isn't it strange that the Apostle Paul, writing to believers in the church at Ephesus, would say, if there's any thieves among you, stop doing that. So that means even in the first century, they had crooks in the church. We have them today as well, in the body of Christ. 
Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. I'm sure most of us would agree with the first part of this verse. You know, instead of stealing from others, do honest work, get an honest job. But notice in this verse, this is my main point, notice why the thief should work. So that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Well, if a thief should get a job so he has something to share, what about an honest man? Same thing. You see, kingdom people, kingdom-minded people are looking for more than bread to eat. They need seed to sow. Come on. You may be going to heaven, but are you living in kingdom principles? Well, I'm struggling financially. You answered that question already. You just answered that question. Amen. To the degree that you are living in lack, you are not living the kingdom life. Because he didn't say, seek first the kingdom of God, and maybe if you pray hard enough, maybe if other church members really pray hard enough, your needs might be met. He said all these things will be added to you. If they're not being added to you, guess what? You're not living the kingdom life. Ta-da. But we can change. We need to make changes. Amen? Now, the Greek word for kingdom is basileia. Basileia. It's where we get the the English word like basilica, which means kind of like palace, you know. And this word actually means the right to rule or the right to rule over. Basileia, the right to rule over. And why I'm saying that is God's kingdom is not so much a certain location as it is a certain condition. It's not so much a location. See, it's it's not just heaven because we're in God's kingdom now. We're kingdom people now. Amen? It's a certain condition. Notice this scripture, Luke chapter 17, verse 20 and 21 in the New King James Version. Jesus said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. The Amplified Bible says it is in your hearts. So it's not a mere physical, it's not a physical kingdom. You cannot see it with your eye, you cannot touch it with your hand. In John 18, 36, Jesus said before Pontius Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. It's a spiritual kingdom and God rules over us from within. See, in the Old Testament, God gave the Israelites the law, and the law came with a system of uh, motivation and punish, uh, uh, reward and punishment. If you obey, you'll be blessed, you'll do this, I'll bless you. If you disobey, you'll be cursed. So it, that was the incentive. It was all external. 
But we, we today are living by a higher law, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The reason we obey, the reason we serve God is not because we're afraid of, of getting sick or we're afraid of, of losing the farm or something like that. That shouldn't be the way we think. It's because in our hearts, we want to do what is right. He, he rules us from within. Kingdom people follow their hearts. They are not head-led. They're spirit-led. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Amen? They listen to their hearts. Now, I've heard people, you know, like maybe from time to time online, I see this, but people will say, wait a minute. The Bible says in Jeremiah 17, verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? So why should we listen to our hearts? I, I, even just today, I saw somebody posted online, not someone here, but just, you know, out there. Someone said, you know, Jesus never said, listen to your heart. Yeah, but the Bible says that. Definitely says that. Yeah, Jeremiah 17, 9 says the heart is deceitful above all things. But in the same book of Jeremiah, say, don't base your theology on Instagram. God bless you. Read the Bible. <laughs> Come on, it's not enough to have Facebook. Get your face in the book. Hallelujah. In the same book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, verse 33, God said, I'm going to make a new covenant with the house of Israel. Hallelujah. A new covenant with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant I made with their fathers when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. He said, this new covenant, I will put my law within them and I will write it where? Where will he write it? In marble? In stone? On the wall? On a signboard outside the church? No. On their hearts. What does that mean? That means he changes us on the inside. He imparts his own nature to our spirits. Kingdom, kingdom people are new covenant people. Nowhere in the Old Testament did God say, seek the kingdom. That's a new covenant terminology. That's new covenant thinking. Amen. Furthermore, you know, people say, don't ever listen to your heart. The heart is deceitful. Well, wait a minute. Also in the book of Jeremiah, see these people, they really never think very, very, very far. Also in Jeremiah 29, 13, the Bible says, but you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So if you're not supposed to listen to your heart, why would you seek God with all your heart? Hallelujah. Furthermore, in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, Romans chapter 8, verse 16 says this, the Spirit himself, that's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. He bears witness with our spirit. He, bear, he testifies to your spirit that you are a child of God. We know we're saved <clears throat> because we have the witness of the Spirit in our hearts. That's not a voice. That's not a vision. That's not a dream. That's not a prophecy. It might be best to think of that as just a sense of peace, an assurance, or 
Maybe a better way to say would be a knowing. If you ask the born again man, how do you know you're saved? He'll say, I just know that I know. Yeah, but how do you know? I can't explain it, but I know. I know that I know. Well, that's the witness of the Spirit. And in the same way, we discern the will of God for our lives. So if that inward witness is a sense of peace, if you don't have peace about something that you are considering to do, then that's, that, is, that, is, that is enough for you to know that is the Holy Spirit telling you don't do that. It's not too hard. <clears throat> have you ever been tempted to sin? No, nobody here. Let's try this section over here. Anybody ever been tempted to sin? No, these people are too holy. How, let's try this. Okay, I see a hand. There are two honest people in the room. That's nice to know. And at that moment, what was going on inside of you? Conviction? Yes. You don't have to testify. I'm just, I'm just sharing in general. You know, like, did you feel real good about it? Just, just felt just so good. Go ahead and hit that guy. Hit him hard as you can. Go ahead and steal that money. You know you need it. No, no. Something inside you was like, mm, telling you, don't do that, don't do that. And you just ignored that and did it, see? That same something that tells you not to sin is the same something that will tell you, this is an opportunity for you. This is the direction I want you to go. See, the problem is, if we don't really listen to the witness of the Spirit when he's trying to keep us from doing wrong, we'll have trouble discerning the witness of the Spirit when he's leading us to do something right. We become insensitive. Amen. Praise the Lord. I didn't come to Nagaland because of a dramatic experience. You know, I didn't hear a voice from the heavens. I didn't have some kind of uh, spectacular dream, you know, at night or, or something like that. I had an inward witness. I had, it's just the spirit was bearing witness with my spirit. I just had a sense whenever we talked about it, like me and my wife were just discussing it, every time the subject came up, inside, for lack of a better term, it just felt so good inside. In my head, I'm thinking, how is this going to work? I just don't see how this is possible. I mean, you know, all these thoughts in my mind. But every time we talked about it, inside it just felt so good. Such a sense of peace in my heart. So eventually, I had to make the decision to step out by faith, even when I didn't have all the answers. See, some people are waiting until, you know, every T is crossed, every I is dotted, every door is open, and, you know, they can see from now to eternity, and then they'll take a step. And they'll be waiting 100 years if they live that long. You have to trust the Lord. So we came here, and of course I have to tell you this, that, uh, that the students wouldn't know this, but most of them wouldn't know this, that... That in, in 1994, I came here February 1st, 1994, and, and, that, and back then, I had to have a special permit from the government just to, just to come here. And it wasn't easy to get. Man, we contacted, my wife contacted somebody she knew that was in the government, and they arranged something, and it still took like more than 10 days to get it, and they only, I think they only gave us 10 days or something at first, or maybe we got a, we got a month, we got one month that first time, and, 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 and people were surprised I even had that, the permit for one month, because they said, that's like a miracle. I mean, nobody gets one month. In those days, there was hardly any outsiders living in Nagaland, hardly any, you see. 
so i'm here and then i was invited just shortly thereafter i mean it was just a, a couple of weeks or so i was invited to speak at a church that was in a village on the outskirts of town here it took about in those days, maybe, maybe the road is better now, but it took us like, I think 45 minutes or so just to get to that particular village. And so I spoke. And then when I got through speaking, one fellow came up to me and said, Brother John, a year ago in this church, a woman prophesied in the service. And she said, God is going to send an American to Nagaland and he will preach in this very church. And people said, that's crazy. The government will never allow that. And besides that, if somebody from America came, why would they come to this village and preach in this church? And then they said, see, John, that's you. But that was a year ago. So that meant even before I had made up my mind and decided that I was coming, God knew that I would. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. So kingdom people are spirit-led people. So you can't be a kingdom person and not listen to the king. Right? Kingdom people, we know that our own dreams pale in comparison to God's plan for our lives. I have a dream. Yeah, but... Your dream can turn into a nightmare. Instead of formulating your own plan and saying, God, bless this, you need to discover God's plan because his plan is already blessed. And, and his, his, his dream for you is going to eclipse your own. Many times the problem with our dreams are not that they're uh, too big, they're too small. He has something much, much better for us. And, 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 and then many times our dreams are self-centered. It's about me. But I promise you, God's dream for your life is going to connect you with other people, people in need, people who are hurting, so that you can be a blessing. Lord, make me a kropati. How would that help anyone else? Huh? Well, make me a lak, lak potty. <laughs> How is that going to help anybody? Right now, you're just a, 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 a 10 rupee wala, and you're still not blessing anybody. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. So God's way may not always seem easiest, but it's always best. Let me read to you another uh, scripture from James chapter 4, verse 13 to 15. James chapter 4, verse uh, 13 to 15. Pardon me. It says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Now notice this. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. All right, so what does that mean? You know, I've read that scripture in the past and it always kind of puzzled me. Does this mean that we can't make any plans for the future at all? Okay, after the service tonight, we'll have dinner. No, no, only if the Lord wills. Or, you know, does that mean that we are, we are so uncertain of our lives that you know, we, we just never know? We can't say definitively anything? We, our lives are in limbo? Does it mean that for everywhere we go, we first have to 
verbatim say these words, if the Lord wills and we live, like the Muslims say, inshallah. <laughs> Whether we mean it or not, we just say, if the Lord wills. You know, Let's have dinner, if the Lord wills. Let me brush my teeth, if the Lord wills. I mean, does that mean that, that we have to just say that, you know, just some kind of a religious thing? Is that what he's saying? I don't think so. One reason I don't think so is I don't see people in Scripture doing this. In Mark 1.38, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also. He didn't say, inshallah, <laughs> if the Lord wills. Hmm? In Mark 4.35, Jesus said, let us go across to the other side, the Sea of Galilee. He didn't say, if we live, if it the Lord wills and we live, we'll do this. We may not, we may die halfway across. He didn't say that. In John 11, verse 7, he told his disciples, let, let us go to Judea again. He didn't say, you know, you know we, we may die on the way, but if the, if, if the Lord allows us to live, then we'll go. He, 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 his life wasn't full of doubt and, and, and uncertainty. I don't think that's the idea. I think that's, that's not the thought. I think in this passage of Scripture, he's saying this. If he is Lord of your life, he has a right to be involved with your affairs. You can't cordon him to a small sector of your life. You know, like a little box, that's my religion box. And whenever I want to talk to Jesus, I open my little religion box. Or he can just, he can live in my heart, but there's only one chamber he can occupy. You know, the, the, the prayer room or something like that. No, he wants your whole heart, your whole life. If he's Lord, he has a right to say something about your affairs. So let him be your partner, not your peon. Amen. Instead of drawing up your own business model, confer with your business partner. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, Paul said, we are workers together with him. We are workers together with him. That's true in ministry. That's what he's talking about. about. But I believe it's also true in business when your business is your ministry. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, I don't want my business to be a ministry. Fine, then you're on your own, Buster. God bless you and good luck. And don't cry for me, Argentina, when you go bankrupt. I'm not trying to scare you, but I'm saying you, it's a contradiction to say that you want it all, you want all of God's blessings, but it's gonna be done all my way. My way or the highway? Highway. And we see that play out over and over and over and over again. Or people have some measure of success, but nothing like what the Bible talks about. It's way down the ladder compared to what the scriptures talk about. Well, it's not because God lied. It's because we don't qualify. Amen. Praise the Lord. So let him be your business partner. You know, you don't want just anybody to be your partner. The wrong fella could sink the whole enterprise, and that happens sometimes, right? You know, you, we've seen that happen. Amen. You want someone 
just like Jesus. You want the Lord. You can't go wrong with him. You could parlay one rupee into the greatest fortune in the world if the Lord was telling you how to spend every rupee. Amen. Are listening to me? In other words, if you listen to God, you're not going to go broke. If you listen to God, you're not going to you're not going to end up in the poorhouse. I have been young and now I'm old, and yet have I never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Hallelujah. He's not trying to destroy you. He has a plan for you to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. The reason we fall short is not because God has cheated us. We're cheating ourselves because we're not living by kingdom principles. We're living by church principles. Churchianity instead of Christianity. We just show up for meetings and things like that, and that's great. Some people can't even do that. But, you know, when it comes to living in the light, we are Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. One person on Sunday and somebody different on Monday. Probably not you because this is Wednesday night, and usually this would be a Sunday morning message, but in case there are some Sunday morning people here on Wednesday night, if the shoe fits, wear it. Just look at your neighbor now and with a very holy look say, he might be talking to you right now. (laughs) That'll deflect any criticism away from you. If I'm stepping on your toes, just say amen real loud and no one will guess I'm talking about you right now. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Let me move on. So England has something called the Royal Charter. And let me explain to the best of my ability what that means. There are businesses and other entities, organizations and schools that are granted a special status and they're recognized by the British Crown. But they also have to operate by higher standards. So, and I don't know all about this, so when Pastor Joel Taller from Manchester comes, you know, maybe he can explain this. If I'm doing it all wrong, when he comes, he can straighten it all out. But what I do know is this, like um, here in Dimapur, you could start um, uh, a Momo restaurant or a, or a, or a, or a, or a chow uh, bar and call it the King's Momo. <laughs> right, you could sell socks and underpants and call it the Queen's Underpants store. <laughs> if you want to. I don't know. Her royal bloomer. I don't know. So you you can do that if you want to do that, you know. But you cannot do that in the UK. It's against the law because it's misleading. If you were to say like they have all these businesses like the Queen's candlestick maker, Her Majesty's shoemaker, whatever, you know, her royal highness's dressmaker, because they have special status, you know, and, and, and it's been approved by the crown, see? And, and so people would know that this is, this, is, this is legit. This is not some fly-by-night, you know, who knows, it's going to cheat you, going to rob you, sell you some cheap knockoff stuff. This, this, is, this, is, this has a royal charter, right? So what I'm saying is to, for you is for your business or future business, why not let your endeavors be the king's business? 
right? We're kingdom people. So this would be Jesus' shoes, the Lord's socks, <laughs> Alpha and Omega motorbikes. <laughs> now we, <laughs> now we, we do that in Nagaland, only in Nagaland. You know, is it like faith underwear and, you know, hope? Hope motor oil and stuff like that. With only in Nagaland, you know, even the auto rickshaw will say El Shaddai, you know, auto rickshaw and stuff like that. Only in Nagaland do they do things like that. But, but what I mean is like, what if it really was like, it was like, this is God's business. And this is, this, this is being run on kingdom principles. It's based on the word of God, his in Christ's character and integrity. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. And then in the private sector, in the private sector, consultants have a lucrative career. There's a whole class of people called consultants, and they demand high fees for their advice. They'll come into some business, and they're experts, usually it's supposed to be, experts in their field, maybe in computer science or whatever it is, and they can examine what you're doing and, and recommend certain steps that you need to take and, and, and offer tips to help you get ahead of the, of the competition and that type of stuff. Well, I'm gonna tell you something. There's an expert living inside of you. It's called the Holy Spirit, and he's a genius. He knows everything. And if you listen to him, he'll make you look smart. He will help you succeed. He will help you gain an advantage. He will help you move forward. Listen, if you are struggling financially, you are not listening to the Holy Spirit. Now, you may be struggling now, but he will lead you out of that struggle. Amen. He will always lead you to higher ground. Amen. Hallelujah. And best of all, unlike others, he charges no fee for his services. Think about it. Think about it. You know, in times gone past, you know, like I had certain ideas and things like that. And my mother would say, why don't you ask your father? He's a businessman. You know, he knows all about these things. But you were like, kind of like, well, you know, and, and, and even other strangers said, why don't you ask your father? He knows all about this kind of stuff. Well, why don't you ask your heavenly father? He knows all about it. In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He should be the first place you go, not the last resort. Amen. Hallelujah. I mentioned my father. My, my father worked in, the, uh, in business, a uh, business that was started by my grandfather. And then everybody in our family expected me also to work there as well. But in my heart, I had a strong, clear leading that that was not God's plan for my life. It wasn't anything wrong. It wasn't anything you know, immoral or illegal or anything like that. But many, I did work there for a short time. But as I would go to the office, in my heart, I just was crying. I just felt so broken inside because I knew this was not God's plan for my life. And so I, I, I left. And, 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 you know, here we are today, you know, in the ministry. But some years later, my father wanted to retire, see. And uh, so he asked me, would you, do you have any interest in taking this business over? And a lot of people that I know would have jumped at that opportunity. Even people that were working there told me I'm a fool for not, for not taking this over. One, one older man told me, you know, this is a gold mine. You don't even have to do anything. Just sit here and make a few decisions. And it's like you're sitting on a gold mine. 
And that did sound tempting because at the moment, see, God's, he said all these things will be added to you. He didn't say they'll be added to you overnight. Sometimes there's a process. Usually there's a process. You have to be patient, stay with it. And at the moment, I wasn't sitting on a gold mine. I was sitting on a nala. I wasn't sitting on anything. I was sitting on a hole in the ground. <laughs> Amen. But I knew in my heart, no, that's not God's will for my life. So my father said, you know, do you have any interest in taking over the business? And I said, no. And he said, well, that's what I figured. So he sold everything. He liquidated everything. And it's really amazing that he found buyers for the property, for the franchise and all that kind of stuff like that. And so, you know, he was happy. And then just like a year or maybe two years later, the company, you know, the big factory that made the vehicles for the car dealership, that factory went bankrupt. And today they don't even make those cars. If I had said yes to that, that offer, I would have nothing. I would have just wasted everything. I would have, I would have been bankrupt myself. Hallelujah. You see, God can see tomorrow better than you can remember yesterday. And he knows what's coming your way. And you may be tempted not to listen to him, but trust me, trust me. There have been times when I didn't listen to him and I regretted it. But when I did listen to him, I've always found that he's right. Hallelujah. Now, I still have one more thing to say. I know you can't wait to hear what that is, but I'll tell you anyways. But seek first the kingdom. The Greek word for seek in this verse, I'll explain it. It's considered a Hebraism. A Hebraism. What does that mean? Well, it means it's a, a Greek word, but for the Jews, it has a, a, a different context. In other words, in the Old Testament, the word seek, Hebrew word seek, is typically used in connection with worship. See? So Matthew wrote this letter in Greek, uh, this, 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 this gospel in Greek, but Matthew's not Greek. He's a Jew. In fact, you read Matthew, it's really Jewish. It's very, very Jewish. So when he says seek, there's a good possibility. He's not just thinking of looking for something. He's thinking of worshiping someone. For example, the Bible says in Isaiah 55 verse 6, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Well, that also implies worshiping God. Worshiping God. Hallelujah. So we could paraphrase Matthew 6, 33 this way. God extends favor and releases grace to worshipers. More than a song, a lifestyle. Let, not just worship, but worshipers, let your life be a hymn of praise. Hallelujah. Now think about this verse from the Old Testament. Exodus 23, 25, New International Version. First word, worship. Worship the Lord, your God. And his blessing will be on your food and water. I will take, take away sickness from among you. So that means worship had something to do with good health. And of course, the previous verses talk about not worshiping the wrong thing, namely idols. But some people like abstain from the wrong thing, but they don't actively engage in the right thing. 
They don't worship idols. They also don't worship any God either. So worship the Lord. Now, if God can bless your food, I'll bless your bread and your water, what's to stop him from blessing your clothes? Why would he be unable to do that? What's to stop him from blessing your home? What's to stop him from blessing your car, your vehicle, your children? Hallelujah. And if he can take sickness away from the midst of you, what's to stop him from taking poverty away from the midst of you? Why not? The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 1, what is it, verse 18, I don't remember. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Well, that doesn't just mean we'll be fat and poor. That means we'll be blessed abundantly in every area of our life. Amen. So again, Matthew 6, 33 conveys the idea of, but be a worshiper. All these things will be added to you. Now, real quickly, John 4, 23 says this, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for the Father is seeking such, such people to worship him. So the living God wants living worship. Worship, not just any kind of worship. It starts in our hearts, in spirit. It's based on his word, the truth. And notice Jesus said he is seeking people like that. We love him because he first loved us. And we seek him because he first sought us. The psalmist in Psalm 27, verse 8 said, You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, I do seek. Do I seek? The reason we seek his kingdom is he's drawing us. He's calling us. He's stirring us. He's putting that desire inside of our hearts because the Father is seeking true worshipers. And then I just give you maybe another couple of quick verses. We'll have to stop. We can't go on too long, but Philippians 3.3 tells us something about worship. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God. So the, the worship that God desires and the worship that will satisfy our hearts must involve the Holy Spirit. So if we're going to be kingdom seekers, we're going to have to be Holy Ghost people. We're going to have to be Holy Spirit-led people. Amen. Hallelujah. And we seek the kingdom with more than our understanding. We also do so in the Spirit. Students will recall that today and in previous days we talked about when I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays but my understanding is unfruitful. What will I do then? I will pray with my spirit, but I also pray with my understanding. Then he says, I will sing with my spirit, but I also will sing with my understanding, meaning I will pray in tongues, but I'll also uh, pray in my unknown language. I, I will, then he says, I will sing in tongues, 
but I'll also sing in my known language. Then in verse 16 and 17, he says, otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone say amen? Because they don't know what you're saying. You may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not blessed. We can't just seek the Lord. We can't just worship the Lord with our understanding. We also must worship him with our spirits, with the help of the Holy Spirit. See? If we just praise God in English, we may, that we may be praising him well enough, but if we're not praising him in the spirit, it, it won't be enough. Are you out there today? Hallelujah. So what I'm saying is there's a connection, a thought I would like to leave with you that we need to be people who are worshipers and we need to worship God with the help of the Holy Spirit. You know, we, we, we sing, you know, songs that bless us so much and, and, and lyrics that stir our hearts and, and we, we, we endeavor to choose songs carefully. We don't just, you know, randomly sing a song, but we also need to spend some time singing in the spirit, just worshiping in our prayer language because worship is prayer, the highest type of prayer. Amen.